And glad for this group that's here today, glad if you're visiting, glad if this is your first time, 400th time, whatever, we want you to be here. We are continuing on in a series that we call King Jesus, that we want Jesus to truly be king. And whenever we come into a church building like this, some of us were like, well, yeah, of course he's king. But no, I mean truly be king of our lives, not just what we give lip service to, not just what we are socially, not what we are even for our parents or for our kids or whoever, but that truly Jesus is king. Now, you heard that reading today that Daniel did a great job on from the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most famous sections of Scripture in all of the Bible. It's Matthew chapters 5 through 7. So often if you are looking for something in the Bible that you've heard before somewhere in your life, you go, where is that? You'll find it in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It'll be in that famous sermon that Jesus gave. As he goes up on a mountain, he sits down and he preaches. In those days, the crowd stood up and the speaker sat down. I kind of wish we would do it that way here. That would be kind of nice. But we don't, and that's okay. Sermon on the Mount is about the way life is supposed to be. It's not about the way it always is. And it is not the way that I always am, but it's the way I'm supposed to be and the way I want to be. But we understand from this passage, as you will see, if you haven't read it before, if you have and you're familiar with it, you know that all of us struggle with things that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. All of us deal with issues there. And if we say that we don't, then the only person we are fooling is ourselves. We all struggle. Sometimes people talk about Christians being hypocrites. You even heard a thing yesterday on the radio saying, well, all those hypocrites at church. Well, yes, in a way, we all are hypocritical sometimes. But, you know, from the Christians I know, the people of this congregation, other people that I've been around in my life, what I find is most Christians admit very quickly that they have sin and struggles in life. There are probably some that don't, but but for the most part these days, we do admit we've got struggles. We may not tell you about all of them. We may deny some of them, but at least people are saying they have some. But this thought here is that we all struggle. And what the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus was doing, some call it a manifesto of saying this is what it's supposed to be like in the kingdom where Jesus is king. And he's saying, this is what I want you to be. This is what you aspire to be. You're not there, but this is where we are working to get to. And so today we're going to take a wide swath of this sermon. It is one that if you were to be a Bible major, for example, in college, that you might have a course, one or even more than one course, literally just on Matthew chapters 5 through 7, because there's so much there. But today we're taking this wide look at this. And so now we come to that passage about salt and light in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, where Jesus says to the crowd in front of him, which is also true to us, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
This is a well-known passage of Scripture. If it is your first time to hear it, then that's wonderful. But some of you are going to say, I have heard so many sermons about salt and light, I could preach it myself. And I say, okay, fine, get up here, okay? No, I'm just joking. Y'all are kind of serious today, but hopefully we'll move out of that, okay? Well, salt and light are extremely valuable. They're extremely valuable. You know that. You know that salt and light make a dynamic difference. They can change the way you think. For people who live in northern states, for example, they talk about depression because of it being cloudy and the importance of having light. Even when we lived in Oklahoma, I had a special light at my, at my computer just because sometimes in the winter it'd be dreary day after day for a while. Not anything like if we were in the northwest or even in the northeast, but after a while it could get a little bit dreary. Light does something that changes our mood and changes the way we think. Obviously salt is important to food. They both are extremely valuable for us. And you may know this or may not know this, but salt in the Old Testament was a sign of the covenant. It was a sign of something important. As a matter of fact, all of the sacrifices had salt included in it. And sometimes we may not even realize that or think about the value in the book of Numbers, for example. Uh, Numbers 18, verse 19. This is just a little example of that. It says, Whatever is set aside from the holy offerings the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and daughters as your perpetual share. Now listen to this. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and your offspring. This idea of salt was put in the covenants because it endured. It preserves, but it endures, and it was to go on and on and on. And so there was salt included. There is a sense whenever Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, that we show that Jesus endures, that he's with us, that we keep going. There's something maybe a little deeper that we could develop on another day about this idea of the importance of salt and the sacrifice. But you know that salt preserves and gives flavor. I had to look this up, but there are 12 different kinds of salt. There's, and you know this, you know, you have the Morton's Table salt, and you have, you have the pink Himalayan salt, and you have black salt, and you know, you go on, lots of salt. And if I say any more, then I will be assaulted, right? So, sorry. <laughs> all I've got are dad jokes, so that's all you get, right? But salt is important, and so some of you have been to those Brazilian steakhouses, and, and, if you, and, and that type of beef that, that lots of people like is called picanha, and it's hard to buy. There's only, I think, one place in Houston you can buy it from a, from a meat market, typically. Every once in a while, H-E-B has it, but typically there's one meat market that ha has it. And the way you make that beef that's so good, it's a different cut than we have here. It's part sirloin, and the way they make it is you take rock salt and you completely pound rock salt into that all over it you cake the rock salt all over that piece of meat and then you put foil on it and then you put it in your refrigerator for like 12 hours or 14 hours or more time if you've thought ahead and you keep it in there and then you take it out and you put it on the hottest grill you can and that fire comes up and I mean it it cooks that salt to the meat and then obviously you cut that off but boy you go wow it is good stuff I don't know if it does it to you it brings tears to my eyes I'll tell you that 
Right now, I'm about to say, come as we stand and sing, and I want to go find some. (laughs) But salt adds flavor. And if you can't eat salt because of your your body, your heart, you're going, oh, I miss salt. I remember a a man that, that I used to know that that he wanted salt so badly, and his doctor had said absolutely zero salt, but he found that there was this drink at Bahama Bucks that he could get that was dill pickle that didn't have real salt in it, and he would drink one of those every day because it tasted like salt, even though it wasn't salt. I mean, you have to be desperate to do that, right? But salt perseveres, or, or preserves, and it gives flavor. Well, you know what light does? Light gives direction, and it illuminates. Here in Texas, we have this thing called ERCOT that, that controls our electric grid that everybody talks about all the time. And right now, we're scared to death that, that, that we won't have air conditioning because somehow the, the grid will go down. But do you remember about a year, year and a half ago, whenever the freeze hit and some folks were without electricity for a few days or for for a week or even more and how awful that was we felt terrible at our house that we didn't lose electricity but we lost cable for about 12 hours and it was awful and so I really I felt so guilty the whole time sitting there but we had people in I want to justify (laughs) but when you don't have light all at once things start getting weird right In the middle of the night, we've talked about this before, in the middle of the night, sometimes our thoughts get very strange. We sometimes get afraid at night when there's no light and somehow a light can help us just to have some kind of light and it gives us direction and helps us go in the right place. And so light gives direction and illumination and what Jesus is saying is, you are the light of the world. You're you're what gives flavor. You're what preserves. You're what endures. And you're also the thing that gives people light and direction and illuminates illuminates for them that's what you are and so Jesus or also what salt does is you know that a lack of salt can make food bland and repulsive and even dangerous you say well how would it make it dangerous well if you have traveled in Latin America or traveled in Africa or the Middle East and different parts of the country you may know that often they will pack meat and salt for example in those days and we lived in brazil i can tell you i could close my eyes and and if i smelled a certain aroma i would know exactly where i was i was standing in front of a grocery store down the road from our from our house or our apartment and because at the back of that store there would be meat hanging in salt in order to preserve the meat meat hanging on the in the or 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 salt on the fish to preserve the fish you know that if you don't have that salt and you go back to eat it later you get sick and you can even die from that a lack of salt isn't just about what do my taste buds like but it can be a matter of life and death and so also you think about light a lack of light can be disgusting and repulsive and even dangerous obviously sometimes we're afraid but you also know what it's like when you go into your garage at night hopefully not into your kitchen but you go into your garage at night you turn on the light and you see those cockroaches go you know what i'm talking about i mean here in here in this part of texas you know how big those things are and and i mean 
you step on one of those, and I mean, you can slide like for 100 yards. It's amazing. But it's repulsive, right? Especially if you're stepping on those in the dark, if you happen to find one. And it can be dangerous to walk in the dark. You hit your head in the, in the dark. If you're in your house, you can make it from the, bath, from, the, from the bed to the bathroom without turning on a light. But if you're in a hotel you've never been in before, that all at once becomes a much more difficult task to figure out how to get from one place to the other. To get through this world without light is really difficult because it seems like the world and life just keeps throwing things at us that we've never experienced before. And if there is no light, it's so hard to get to the right place. You know, going back, thinking about salt and the importance of salt, the purpose of salt and the purpose of light is not to say how great is the salt or how great is the light. Some of you after this will go to a Mexican restaurant probably and you're going to get the chips and if, you may put salt on the chips. And when you put the salt on, you're not going to say, wow, this is great salt. You're going to say, these are great chips. Now, some of you today will say great salt, I know. But typically you wouldn't. But what the salt does is the salt makes the chip something that you appreciate and enjoy. What we do as Christians is we make it so people can appreciate and enjoy and know Jesus. It's the purpose of the salt. It's the purpose of being light. It's the purpose of all of those things. Christians are supposed to be changing the world. It's what we were called for. We weren't called to stay in our buildings and hide. We were called to go out and be something to change the world that people could see, the salt and the light. And you know, as, the, as this version says, you don't hide the light under a bowl. As the, old, as the old song said, hide it under a bushel. Which, what is a bushel? Well, it's like a bowl. So you don't hide it under a bowl, but instead the light's supposed to be out. It seems a little bit ironic that our auditorium doesn't even have windows, huh? And we hide in here. We don't mean to hide in here. It's not what we're trying to do, but it's the only place we ever talk about Jesus is in this auditorium. And the only time you ever talk about Jesus is, is on Sunday morning. Then the folks at your office place and in your, neighbor, in your neighborhood never know about Jesus. It's the idea of letting the light shine so that people see Jesus. We're to draw people to Jesus and to the kingdom. That is our purpose, to draw people to him. But we have to think about how we do that, right? And so some of you are going, well, how, what do you do? Well, there's some obvious things. I mean, it's sharing, it's teaching, it's living. And sometimes we get very excited about sharing. I've got to go share the gospel with someone. I've got to go teach and teach Bible class. And, and, and that's all important. Those things are good. But if I just share and teach and I don't live like Christ, then I have really missed the point. My teaching will, buy, will not be nearly as effective if I'm out sharing and teaching, but then I am living a hypocritical life like we talked about before. That will make people be repulsed actually by the light and by the salt because they'll say you don't live what you say. What you say. So it's important that I do both, that I do speak and that I do reach out but also that I live my faith. You know, it's important also how we do that. I think about when Annabeth was little, our oldest was little. It was my job to get her up in the morning, and so, so Barbara would be making breakfast, and I would go in to get Annabeth. And, and what I would do is I'd turn on the hall light as I was walking toward her room. I'd turn on the hall light, and I'd start saying, Annabeth, time to get up. 
Annabeth, time to get up. And so the hall light was on. Then I would go into her bedroom, and I would turn on the closet light. Annabeth, time to get up, time to get up. Then she had a little night light, and I'd go over and I'd click that. Annabeth, time to get up. And about that time, after having on this light coming from the hall and coming from the closet and then the little night light, then she would start to move. And then I'd say, hey, time to get up. Mom's making breakfast, about time for school. Get to wear your favorite shoes, whatever it was. And we would have a happy morning. If I had gone in with the big light or brought in some fog lights, get up, kid, get up. You can imagine what the morning would be like, right? We've got to know how to share the light and how to do that. You know, I told you there are 12 different types of of salt. I also looked up how many different types of light bulbs there are. There are 56 different types of light bulbs, depending on size and shape and base. I've tried to order light bulbs online before, total confusion to me, and so I would rather go to Lowe's or Home Depot and stand there in confusion. I can't figure it out, right? You got all these different bases to the light, and then do I, you know, do I, is it a halogen light or is it an Edison light? I, I just want a light bulb is what I want. Well, do you want it in cool white? No, I just want a light bulb. But one of the beautiful things about all those different types of light bulbs and those 56 different types and and all those different kinds of, of light you can get is it really makes me think about the church and how the church comes together and we reflect and we show in different ways. Some of us some of us are very bright in the way we show the light. And others are drawn to those who very meekly light up. There are different ways to do that, different ways to teach and to share and to live. But there's more than that. There's more than that. You see, before we can change the world, we have to have a changed heart. Before we're going to change anybody, and really we don't change anybody, they have to decide to change on their own and change with the help of the Spirit. But before we can do that, you understand the thought here. I've got to work on my heart as I was looking at this scripture this week, at the Sermon on the Mount, <coughs> excuse me, and looking at it maybe in a little different way than I've looked at it before, and today we're taking, as I say, this big swath at it. We'll come back and look at pieces of it later on. But I thought, why are those verses about salt and light so close to the ones that are going to come after it? I mean, if you're reading it from the ones I'm going to have here in just a moment, I mean, you're talking about, if you're reading, a minute. And all at once you're into these other subjects. And I want you to hear these subjects today. Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And it goes on and he explains that. And then verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman, or it would be even a man, lustfully, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He explains that. Then 31 and 32. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And then he goes into 33 and 34. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. 
but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Well, there are four really powerful teachings there, right? I mean, there's a lot said there. But I want you to understand something. We have spent a lot of time, and and these things are important. Don't misunderstand me. We have spent a lot of time debating these things, and, and there's reason for some of that. But a Christian's heart is to be focused on purity rather than legality. It's about purity, not about what's legal. And sometimes we make the Sermon on the Mount as well, the Bible, as well as the Bible, into like a constitution. And so we fight over what the First Amendment is, and Second and Third, and all the other amendments. We fight about it and fight over what our interpretation is, and we fight with the Bible sometimes that way. Well, sometimes what happens is Christians have come at the Bible with saying, okay, what is legal to do and what is, what is illegal to do? And that's the way I, we don't even think about the heart. It is just a legal book to us, and that is not what Jesus was making here. Now, are there sins? Well, absolutely. Am I telling you to do those things? No, I'm not telling you to do them. But, but I'm telling you, it is a book about the heart. Sometimes we draw this line. Well, if I'm on this side of the line, I'm sinning. If I'm on this side of the line, then I'm fine. I'm illegal, I'm legal. So, do you remember sometimes kids and even adults make up words that sound like cuss words or sound like they're taking God's name in vain, but they're not. They just sound like it. So what they're trying to say is, here's the line, and I'm going to stand right here next to the line and almost say it, but not say it. Oh, you thought I was sinning, but I wasn't. And so people do that with all their lives, don't they? Oh, well, I'm right up here. This is a sin if I step over here with the company's books, but this isn't if I get right up here snuggled up to it. Or I think, oh, well, I can, I can do this morally, whatever, whatever it is. Oh, I can look at that on my computer or on my phone or whatever, right here, right next to it, but it's not quite over here. And so what I've done is say, oh, the Bible is somehow my legal book. And so I'm not a sinner because I didn't do that. You did that. I didn't do that. And so we look at it in a totally different way than what God ever intended for us to look at the Bible as. And so while this line was here, what, what my mother used to say, and maybe your, your mother used to say it too, was you've got the line, so your line needs to be over here. And so you're not getting over there. And so I would say, okay, so I'm here. And so if I got over here, I'm not sinning, but I'm a little bit too close to the line, so I need to stay on this side of the second line. And you know what I say to all that? We have put way too much emphasis on the lines. There is way too much emphasis on all those lines, whether it be this one or it be that one. The point is, get your heart right. What Jesus is saying is, love me with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, with everything in you, and love your neighbor. And then you're not, you're not wanting to get over here next to the line. Matter of fact, you're thinking, I don't, I don't want any of that. I just want to love Jesus. I don't want that. But oh, so many of us, we get over here and we get so close. Well, let me tell you, there are generations of people who were taught to get as close to the line as they could without sinning. And do you know what they do when they see us getting so close to the line? They left the church. They left. Because all they saw were a bunch of hypocrites. And I'm not saying that about everybody, but I'm saying that about some people. And, I, and, I, and I'm not here to judge anybody specifically. But if you are living your life like this, of thinking I can be close to the line and teach my children to be close to the line and my grandchildren close to the line, you might as well tell them goodbye. Because they will not put up with that. 
They see through that. And we call that Christianity. That is not Christianity. That is called legalism. It's pharisaical. And, and it's like what people were in the Bible that Jesus actually spoke against. You know the only people in the Bible that Jesus actually raised his voice to? Were the religious people. Do you realize that? Now I'm not telling you don't be religious. I'm kind of into that, okay? I'm not telling you to go and sin. I'm telling you the opposite. Change the heart. Change the heart. Because all this, this will send folks to hell. Because they will be repulsed by what they see that is known and calls itself as salt and light. We will lose people. We are losing people. And so it is a change of heart. I don't want those things. I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, like people who are lost in sin. And I don't want to be like people who are legalists. I want to be like Jesus. That's what he called us to be. So my question for us today is, how's my heart? If you have your Bible today, this isn't on your screen. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. But Luke 6.45 says it is so well when Luke is talking about the, the, the information from the Sermon on the Plain. Incidentally, I think I've broke out into preaching today. You know that? Luke 6.45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Now listen to this. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. If your heart is full of legalism, you will speak legalism. You'll be saying, how close can I get to the line? How, can, how close? Do Sunday nights count? Do Wednesday nights count? Do small groups count? Right? There's a totally different attitude to come toward that as. And I'm not saying you say, oh, so I've got to be there on Sunday night. I've got to be in a small group. No, I, did, I actually said the opposite. It's about the heart. Where is my heart in all of that? I love Jesus, so I think I need to be there on Sunday night. Or I love Jesus so much, I think I need to be with my family helping other people on Sunday night. Where's the heart in all of this? It is not a constitution. But it is about the way we see God and the way we see other people. And God says those things are, are, are through his word. You see, Christianity is not about a list. It's about love. And Christianity is not about a set of rules. It is about who rules your heart. Does King Jesus rule the heart? And when King Jesus rules the heart, then not only do I not want to have an affair, I don't want to, I don't want to be around pornography, I don't want to be around those things that are close to that when he's ruling the heart. When Jesus is ruling the heart, I don't want to say things that, that, that are blasphemous. I don't want to say things that, that sound like they're blasphemy because he rules the heart. When Jesus rules the heart then everything changes. And he said, well, what does this have to do with salt and light? Everything. 
Because then people who don't know Jesus, who can't figure out what in the world you have done and why you are the way you are, they say, I want to know more about that. Everybody's not going to want to know that. But some people are going to tell me, what is it that makes you different? What is it that makes you like that? I want to know. There was a woman that was baptized here probably 12 or 13 years ago who came from a background of not believing in God. And she worked at one of the large oil companies with one of, one, of our, one of our singles at the time. And she said to him, why are you so healthy? He goes, healthy? What do you mean? Well, you're right. She said, no, why are you so, phys- so mentally healthy? Why are you, what, what, what goes on with you? He said, it's Jesus. She's going, Jesus? And he said, come and see. And I, along with other people, had the honor of, of studying with her and baptizing her into Jesus. How's our heart? Does our heart look like Jesus or does our heart look like the world? If you want the rest of, if you want the next generation to look like the world, then you look like the world. If you want it to look like Jesus, then look like Jesus now. Maybe you're ready to be baptized into Jesus and start the walk with him. That you have faith in him. You are sorry for where you've been. You are ready to be baptized and have your sins washed away. Not only will he wash away sins, but he won't leave you. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's with us. And maybe you're like that, like so many have done. I preached so long I lost my microphone. But you are ready to be baptized into Christ. And if you need prayers, we ask you to pray. Maybe you need to come forward and all of us pray for you. Or maybe this is something to go home and say, hey, I just need to pray by myself or with a spouse or with a friend or whoever. And put Jesus first. Come as we stand and sing.